the life that was taken is candy. And uh, one little candy that I really don't care much for because it tastes like chalk. Uh, Actually, I've never eaten chalk, but I imagine this is what chalk tastes like. Are Smarties. You guys remember Smarties? Come in the little pack. Uh, They're kind of chalky. There's uh, in this pack, there's 15, so I think there's 15 uh, Smarties to a pack, and uh, I don't really like them. It doesn't really, doesn't really do much for me. Uh, it doesn't really taste that good. Uh, I just I don't like them. If you like them, no offense, but I just don't care for Smarties at all. I know there's some smart aleck in this church that, uh, now that I've said that, is going to put a whole box of Smarties uh, out, front, out in front of my office this week. I don't like Smarties. But there is one thing uh, that makes Smarties uh, acceptable to me. In fact, for somebody who doesn't like Smarties, I eat them a lot more than you might imagine. You say, well, what is that? What is it that can take Smarties uh, that you don't really like, and what is it that can make you eat them? Well, uh, my boys, they do like eating Smarties, and uh, especially Owen, he, he loves them. And somebody, somehow... Gave me a bunch of Smarties that I keep in the drawer at my desk, and I don't ever, I don't ever pull them out and eat them. They just sit there. Uh, but Owen, quite frequently, will walk over to that desk, and he will pull that drawer open, and he will get out a pack of Smarties, and he will start eating them. And uh, he will typically look at me, and he will say, Dad, here, have a couple of Smarties. And he'll give me a couple of Smarties. And he'll just have a sweet, innocent look on his face. Uh, that mask, that mean little rotten kid that's down in there. And he'll have that sweet little look. And he'll ask if I want them. And he means it. It's genuine from his heart. Dad, you want a couple of Smarties that he likes. And he'll share them with me. And when he does that, Smarties that I really don't care for uh, become some of the best tasting food, one of the best treats anybody could give me because it's given from my child to his father with love. Did you know that the Bible teaches us that because of sin, because of what sin has done before Father God, uh, we are repulsive. It's our sin has made us repulsive because we are not living into what he created us for. We're not living holy lives. We're not living obedient lives. We are disobedient. And we have marred and we have scarred the wonderful image of God that was placed within us. The Bible teaches us that because of that, uh, we, because of our sin, are not acceptable to God. But, but Jesus Christ, His Son, has come, and His Son has taken our sin, and He has paid the price, the Bible says, for our sin, and He has made us clean, and because of Jesus... We who were once repulsive to the God who made us are now acceptable in His sight. So if it's good to be here in Jesus' name today, that wonderful, beautiful name that we sang about, say amen. I don't care for Smarties. But when my son makes them a gift that he gives, they become uh, wonderful to me. Now here's the thing about God that we learn in the Bible, one of many things we learn. Not only has God provided the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, but our God is a God who continues to give to His people after salvation. After salvation, God continues to give gifts to His people. And this morning, we're going to read together and see what it is that God gives. What are some of the things that God gives to you 
and to me. And we're going to see this together in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 19. So go there to Acts chapter 9 and work your way to verse 19. And we're going to see today the gift-giving God, or what God gives. Now, we're working our way on Sunday morning through the book of Acts, preaching through the book of Acts, and we have arrived in the last couple of weeks to the conversion of Saul. And we have seen how Saul has turned from his former sin and has turned to a new life in Jesus. And we are, we are in the early stages of Saul's uh, growth as a believer. And he is growing as a disciple. He is maturing. And we're going to see that not only did God give uh, Saul the gift of salvation, but he's going to give him some other things. And these are some things that God gives us as well. So Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 19. All right, and we'll read together. Now remember, Saul has uh, been converted. He's been staying with the disciples uh, that, that were there in Damascus, all right? So he's not at Jerusalem. He's in Damascus, and he's there with those disciples that are there, and uh, they're beginning to, to do ministry together and life together. And let's just pick up in verse 19, all right? He's converted from an old way of life to a new life, verse 19. And when he had received meat, they fed him, he was strengthened. Remember, Saul's conversion was a very traumatic event. And uh, he fasted after his conversion for three days, and he had lost his sight, and just some, some, some miraculous things occurred. But he's there, and he's getting his strength back. So when he had received meat, he was strengthened. And then was Saul certain days for a while with the disciples, which were at Damascus. And what did he do? So he's kind of growing in the faith. What does he do? Well, straightway, he preached Christ in the synagogues. Now, remember... He'd attended to go to those synagogues and round up and find anybody that was affiliated with the Jesus movement. But instead, he now is going into those synagogues and he is preaching Christ, that he is what? The Son of God. So it says, verse 21, All that heard him were amazed. And they said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem? What is he doing coming into the synagogue preaching the name of Christ. Isn't he the one in Jerusalem that was destroying the Jesus followers? Didn't he come here for that intent, that he might bring them bound under the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength. Second time that's come up. He increased the more in strength, and he confounded the Jews, the Jewish leadership, right, that's there. He confounded those which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. His preaching was effective. His apologetic work uh, to these folks is effective, and they begin to believe that Jesus is the Christ. After that, many days were fulfilled. So, so quite a while goes on, and the, the Jews there, the, and that's shorthand for the Jewish leadership, right? Because remember, the disciples are Jews. Most of the Christians we've encountered so far are Jews. So when it says that, that's just letting you know those in leadership, those that are in power, uh, the same group that crucified Jesus, what did they do? The Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known of Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. So it's a cat and mouse game. Saul knows what they're doing. And they're watching for him. And they're, they're looking for him. But he knows it. And so apparently they get really close one time. Look at verse 25. Then the disciples there in Damascus, they took him down by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. They got him out of town. They, they snuck him out. Verse 26, And when Saul 
was come to Jerusalem, so he leaves there and goes back to Jerusalem, come to Jerusalem, he essayed or he wanted to join himself to the disciples. And I think that is, uh, you know, this is where the, 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 the first disciples of Jesus, this is where they're at. And he wants to affiliate and, and be with them. But remember, he has decimated their church in Jerusalem. He has destroyed it. And now he's back in town and he wants to, he wants to link up with them. But look what it says, verse 26. But they were all afraid of him. And they believed not that he was a disciple. They just couldn't believe that somebody as sorry as Saul and who had done as much damage to the church and hurt to the people of God, they could not believe that he was a disciple. And what a great two words right here in verse 27. But Barnabas. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him. And what else did Barnabas do? He explained how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And so what happens? And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And they were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost and were multiplied. In today's passage, we see the maturity and the growth of Saul. And if you're paying attention to God's Word, you will notice that as Saul is growing, it is the Lord that is providing for him. It is the Lord that gave him salvation, and now he continues to give. And so, as we look at Saul's journey today, I want to point out four things that God gives us. Four things he gave Saul, and he also gives to us. All right. So if you're taking notes or just mentally taking notes, four things that God gives, four things that he gave Saul. Now, number one, first thing he gave Saul is uh, God gives strength. Say that after me. Say, God gives strength. Now, we see two places right there in that passage where God gave Saul strength. And what's interesting is it's two different types of strength, two different uh, ideas, I believe two different words there for the kind of strength that Saul gets. So not only does God give gifts, not only does he give him strength, but he gives him two different types of strength. So let's look at the type of strength that, that he was given. Verse 19 is the first one. Look at it. And when he had received meat, when he, did, when he got food, he was strengthened. Now, strength here means he was refreshed physically. Once he got the food, his body began to rejuvenate and he began to get physical strengthening. And the truth is, we, uh, we at times, we get worn down, and we get tired, and we get beat down. It may be because we're fasting. It may be because of the, the cares of life. Whatever it is, there are times that we are weak in the body. We are weak in the flesh. Now, this same, this same word here that is used for the way the food strengthened him is the same word that is used when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion. So, Brother Rick, show him. let's read. Now, what does it say? It says there, when Jesus was in Gethsemane the night before he died, he was weak. And he prayed to Father God. He said, Father, if you will be willing, remove this cup from me. Remove this physical burden that is on me, this mental anguish that I am under. Remove this. 
Remove this cup from me. But then Jesus says what we need to say. Our master teaches us well. Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And then what happened when he prayed that? When he prayed, Lord, if you're not going to remove this burden, Lord, give me the strength to accept it, what happens? The Bible says, and there appeared an angel, a messenger from God, appeared unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Same type of strength here that that Saul gets, a physical strengthening. Jesus, did you know that? That Jesus, in the mental and physical anguish that he was under, before he went to the cross to die for us, he needed strength from God the Father to prepare him for what he had to do. He needed to physically be uplifted because of the physical burdens that he was about to bear. Here Saul is physically weak, but God gives him strength. So this is encouraging. Because some of you today, you have physical strength that you need uh, for the ministry, the calling that God has given you. And the Bible teaches us that God indeed can give you the strength you need. When we are weak, the Bible says, He is what? He is strong. Now, physical strength is good, but that's not the only type of strength that Saul got. God doesn't just give salvation. He gives other gifts. He gives strength. Look at verse 22 for the other type. Look at verse 22. It says, but Saul increased the more in strength. The Jews are trying to, Jewish leadership, they want to stop him. But Saul increased the more in strength, confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. This is spiritual strength. This is spiritual strength for the spirit for the spiritual warfare that he is engaged in preaching and proclaiming the name of Jesus. This is similar to the type of strength that we see in Ephesians 6.10, where it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, some of you today need physical strength. All of us need spiritual strength to overcome things. What do you need strength to overcome for today? Some of you need Spiritual strength to overcome your past. Because the devil has taken your past and he's got it around you uh, like a noose around your neck. And you feel like I can't overcome my past and I can't move past my my past. And it's always going to be there, just a burden for me. And you know what? For some of you, there are effects from decisions you made that you will continue to wrestle with and struggle with. Well, I want you to know the Word of God says that if you are struggling with your past, that God will give you spiritual strength. Some of you need spiritual strength to withstand temptation. Some of you are tempted. You are are tempted uh, to get angry at your children when you don't need to. And some students, you, you disrespect your parents when you don't need to. And you say, well, that's just my personality. That's just the way that I am. That's just, no, that's not how you are. What you are is a new creation in Jesus, and God says, I will give you the strength that you need if you will accept it. If you're glad we're a new creation, say amen. I do that too. That's just the way I am. No, that's the way the devil wants me. No, that's not just the way you are. Well, I can't, you know, I just can't... uh, Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it home here for a minute. I just can't be on time for worship. I just can't get in there and get ready to sing. That's just me. I just can't do it. Now, God is all about his worship and his praise. So if God wants you here, you can be here. Amen? You can be here. There's just, there's just nothing, there's nothing to it. Boy, I tell you, man, it was, I, I was in the physical. I, I've said this every week. I'm kind of glad basketball's over. I was getting in the flesh again last week. In fact, my mama one time, 
By the way, Ethan played the best ball he's played all year yesterday. I was so proud of him. And, boy, they were playing the best team, and Ethan was having the best game he's ever played against the best team. And the referees were doing what they were doing. The referees were just horrible, horrible. And my mama had the audacity at one, at one point when I just meekly and mildly made a comment to the referee. My mama hit me, and she called me what she calls my daddy. She said, Charlie, cut that out. Hey, the Lord God wants you to control your tongue in every situation. It's not just your personality. He'll give you the strength to control that tongue if you'll accept it. Amen, church? You say, I can't stop sleeping with that person. I've got physical needs. I can't stop looking at that pornography. I can't stop gossiping about my husband or my wife. I can't stop being negative about them. I can't stop pointing out their flaws. I can't stop the bitterness in my heart. I can't this, I can't that, I can't this, I can't that. And we take the lie of the devil because that's just the way that I am. No, you're not. You're a new creation in Jesus. That's who you are. And the Bible says right here, did you notice Saul is strengthened by God? Some of you, have you ever fasted? Have you ever taken that battle you face and just fasted before the Lord and said, Lord God, during this fast, when I'm hungry, I'm going to think about my spiritual battle and I'm going to ask you to help me to overcome. Have you done that? If you haven't done that, don't, don't blame God because the Bible teaches us that's one of the spiritual paths that he gives us to, to strengthen us for the battle that we have. He says here that Saul was strengthened. It says that Jesus was physically weak and a messenger from God came and gave him strength to build him up in the faith. You know, my, one of my boys, I won't tell you which one, you go to public school and you, you learn what the, the kids there know. And one of my sons uh, was taking the Lord's name in vain the other day. Just, I mean, that's what he hears people at school doing. And uh, he did that. And I told him, I said, son, don't do that again. Like, don't, don't do it again. you got to stop. And he looked at me and he said what we say about our situations. He said, I can't help it, Daddy. I can't help it. And I looked at him. Both of my boys have made professions of faith. And I said, yes, you can. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You believe that today? Then stop making excuses. Whether you're a new Christian or whether you're an old Christian, stop making excuses for your sin this week. Stop it. Stop making the excuses and get on your knees before God and say what Jesus said. Lord, if this is your will, and there are some things that are clearly his will, say then, Father God, help me to do what you want me to do. Listen, God is a gift-giving God, and he just didn't save you, but he saved you, and he continued to give you the gifts that you need. So you need strength. God will give you strength. You say, well, well, well. How am I to live my life? What do I do? Well, that's the second thing he gave. God gave strength, but God also gave a plan. Look at verse 20 at what the Word of God says. Look here, he gave him strength, but he gave him something else. It says in verse 20, he gives him the strength. What does he do with it? Straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called in the name of Jesus? That came, didn't he come here for that intent to destroy the church? That he might bring them bound, the chief priest? But now he's, he's preaching? 
But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus. And what was the plan? How did he confound them? How did he stop them? By proving that this is the very Christ. By focusing on Jesus. Now listen, there are folks in our church that God's plan for you as a believer is to preach and proclaim Jesus and to tell people about Jesus' salvation that he has and to lift those up that are, that are defeated. But you're too busy doing other stuff. You're too focused on other things. You've got other things that you have decided are more important to this world than focusing on the salvation that Jesus gives. There are young people. I've got too much going on. And God's given you a wonderful opportunity. Tucker, he's given you a wonderful opportunity on the basketball team that you're on to make sure that everybody on your team knows that Jesus Christ has saved you. Now, you don't have to yell at every practice. You don't have to do all that. But you have an opportunity you will never get again with these guys on your team to be on a team where they can know about Jesus. Daniel, on your football team, you know, you may, who knows how much playing time you'll get. But you know what I know as a pastor? That God, listen, he wants you to do the best you can do. And the fact of the matter is, he's got you on a plan there for that team that you may not know yet. And the reason God's got you on that team is so somebody on that team will know and know that Jesus Christ is the answer to the problems that all the other people on your team will face. Now, if you believe these two young men can live the plan of God and live for Jesus this next school year on their teams, say amen. you got a church that believes in you. You going to Votech school? Hey. People who move from high school into Votech school, there'll be some people that their lives are going to change radically. And they're going to get into stuff they shouldn't get into, and they're going to face battles they're going to face. And you know what? You are there to get that degree, but you are also there to proclaim and teach the name of Jesus. That is why you're there. And it's not just young people. It's all of us. Yes, we live the lives we live, but God has put us in these situations to enact His plan. And His plan is really simple. His plan is that the name of Jesus will be proclaimed unto the nation. So God gives us gifts, and He gives us strength. And He gives us the strength to be and do what He wants us to do. But He also gives us a plan. And thankfully, for those of us, for those of us that have a difficult time and a Tough time with with pretty much everything in life. God has decided He's not going to give you a difficult plan. He's going to give you a real simple plan. And that plan is to make His Son Jesus the center of everything you do. At your job, at your home, Better be in the church, on your vacations, at your ball games, on your teams, with the musical things that some of you do. He says, you know, my plan is real simple. You see, what we're going to learn about Saul is Saul is going to do ministry, but he's also going to have a vocation. He's going to be a tent maker. But what's obvious is, as he does his vocation, we're going to see this, he uses it as an opportunity to do what he's doing here which is to tell people about Jesus. So God gives strength and God gives a plan. He's always given a plan. We have sung about the plan today, the plan of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hey, if it's better to be saved than going to hell today, say amen. The plan of God. 
The plan he gives Saul is to preach in the synagogues, which he does. You will read in Saul's other letters that he continues to enact this plan. He continues to go all over the Mediterranean preaching in the synagogues. But later the plan will adjust a little bit. Do you know God can do that too? You know, when uh, God, God, he'll give you a plan and he'll show you how to do what you need to do. And if you're faithful to it, and this is where we mess up, if you are faithful to it, he will then expand his plan for your life. Now, he may not expand it the way you think because you read Saul's life. Boy, he goes through some hard things. But Saul's plan for his life does expand, and we're going to see this. See, he's going to the synagogues proclaiming Christ, which is what God wanted him to do. Later, his plan will expand, and he will not just go to synagogues, but he will, continue, he will start to link up with God-fearers that were Gentiles, and he will continue to go to the synagogues and proclaim Christ. But he will also go into an even larger field, proclaiming Christ unto the nations. Listen, as a church, we rely on God's Word. But you know, we, we, we have some plan. But the planning that we do must always center around making the name of Jesus known. You know, we had a parents' night out a few weeks ago. And uh, we had to plan that, right? To give, to give parents a night out. Why do we do that? Because the Lord God made families and He loves families. And so as a church, we need to plan. How are we going to minister to them? Listen, we, uh, we have our ladies that are planning how we can support different community organizations. You don't have to recreate the wheel. All you got to do is bring some stuff. And we'll get in their hands to help children in our community. Why? Because it's clear from the Bible that the Lord Jesus loves children. He created them and he made them. So we have a plan to help us do that. Brother Mark has helped get a plan together for the Passion Week. Uh, We have those services going on. We're also going to have an Easter egg hunt that Saturday out at the Hammock Farm that everybody's invited to. And what an opportunity to invite somebody that doesn't go to church in your neighborhood to invite somebody in your family that is lost, invite them to that great time we'll have out on the farm there at the Hammock Farm so that the day before Easter Sunday, they can be invited to church to come and hear the good news. God gives strength, and God gives a plan. And you know what? His plan ultimately is for you to be in His presence forever. That is His plan. But until you reach that ending point, until you get there, to the ending point, to be in heaven, there are other things that he has planned for you. Now I ran cross country and track in high school and and ran my freshman year in college down at Cumberland University. Uh, Did that, cross country and track, and and, uh, so I know a little bit about running. And some of you may know Pastor Gordon McDonald. He's a a famous pastor. And uh, Gordon McDonald also ran uh, cross country and track in high school. And he tells a story that in 1954, he was invited to his high school coach's house to eat dinner. And Gordon McDonald went to his, to his coach's house in uh, 1954, and he was just starting to run in high school, and he had, he had dinner with his coach. And after dinner, his coach took him and sat him down on the couch and got a notebook out. And he got the notebook out, and Gordon McDonald said he turned to the back of the notebook. And at the back of the notebook, it had my name, and it had a bunch of races, and it had a bunch of times written down. And he said, Gordon McDonald said that my coach, that's 1953, 54, but he turns the back of the notebook, and it's got his name and a bunch of races, and it's got 1957. And Gordon McDonald said his coach looked at him, he said, son, these are the races you will run in your senior year. These are the ones that you will run in. And these are the times that I expect you to run that year. And Gordon McDonald said he looked at the times and he looked back at his coach. Of course, he's a little afraid because he's a, he, you know, his coach is a lot older. He looks at him and says, Coach, 
those times are way faster than anything I can run. And he said his coach then took the notebook and flipped it back to the beginning and page by page began to turn and show him what he would do every week for the next three years. And Gordon McDonald said his coach looked at him and he said, Son, here's where you're going to get. And here, as he turned the pages, is how over the next three years we're going to get you from these times to that time. You know, the Bible tells us in Revelation there will be a day when the people of God will be gathered around the throne of God praising Jesus and worshiping together and there will be healing for the nations and we will be there with the people of God and the city of God praising the king of that, of that city, a new heaven and a new earth and what a day it will be. If you're looking for that day, say amen. But did you know the Bible also tells us between now and that day, God has a plan for your life. And his plan for your life is to proclaim the name of Jesus. So we see today, we see that we serve a gift-giving God. And his plan is good. And And we see from Saul's life, we see that he gives him strength when he needs it. And he gives him a plan. He strengthens him up so he can go out and, and enact this plan. So God will stretch you. Right? Gordon McDonald, I mean, it was going to be tough over three and a half years to get from this time to that time his senior year so he could win those races. But the coach showed him, this is the plan. This is how we're going to stretch you. This is how we're going to develop you. Well, listen, God gives strength and God gives a plan. But if you say, whoa, I know the plan. Now, you said the plan is simple. But did you notice what I didn't say? The plan is simple. But that doesn't mean it's always going, and it's easy to understand. But it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy for you to do it. It's simple. And it's easy to understand. But it doesn't mean it's easy to do. And so you say today, well, I, I can't overcome that spiritual hurdle. You know, here's the thing. When my mom so rudely called me by my dad's name at that basketball game. You know what she was really doing? She was really sending me a little help. And as a mother, she was doing it in a way that I would listen to because nothing would make me madder than telling me that I act like my dad. But it got my attention. And it made me go home and think. She was helping. You see, it's not going to be easy. Although the path is easy in one sense to know, it's not always easy to grow in the faith. And so if God gives strength and He gives a plan, praise the Lord today He gives a third thing. The third thing that He gave Saul that He wants to give you is God gives help. Say that after me. Say, God gives help. Look at what He gave Saul. Look at verse 23. And after that, many days were fulfilled, and the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. But praise the Lord, he got help. Then the disciples took him by night, and they let him down by the wall in a basket. He got help from those disciples. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he, he had what he wanted to happen. He wanted to join himself to the disciples that were there. But they're all afraid of him. 
And they believed not that he was a disciple. But God gives help. Verse 27, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. Twice in those few verses, Saul needs help. And twice when he really needs it, when he really, really needs help, help arise. Now can you imagine Saul? Imagine Saul. He, he has almost died. They're going to kill him in Damascus. In fact, it's so bad, they have to sneak him out of the city. So he has been faithful to preach Christ. He has been so faithful to preach Christ that it's almost cost him his life. He's had to go on the run. And can you imagine how discouraged, how disillusioned, how beat down he was when he got to Jerusalem after almost losing his life for Jesus? And he gets to Jerusalem, and I'm sure what were to him would have been the heroes of the faith, the apostles, the church in Jerusalem, when he gets back there, they won't have anything to do with him. Now, we can understand why. Let's, let's be clear here. We can understand why he had tried to kill them. He had killed, they've probably been responsible for some of their friends and family being thrown in jail. So we can understand why they were hesitant, why they kept at arm's length. But can you imagine the discouragement? I knew it, God. I knew it. I knew it. I knew that they would never forgive me for what I did. I knew that they would never accept me. I knew that it would never be all right. God, why have you called me to do this? Why couldn't I just stay in Damascus where I was leading people to Jesus? Why did I have to leave and come back to Jerusalem? Because, God, I knew it. I knew it was going to be this way. It never works out for me. I never win. It never, never, never. And just, can you imagine? Maybe he did that. Or I don't know, maybe he just, maybe he stayed strong. Maybe he just kept saying, Lord, just give me somebody to get me into this group. I don't know, really what happened within Saul, but I know what God did. God knew what he needed, and it wasn't what he thought, and it wasn't how he planned, and it wasn't to the people he went to, but God stuck somebody in his life, somebody unexpected in his life to be a blessing to him, and the man's name was Barnabas. Say that after me. Say Barnabas. You remember that name because God wants you to be a Barnabas to somebody. And the fact of the matter is, I believe that God probably has a Barnabas in your life, somebody that it's probably not what you expected, probably not what you planned, but there's somebody in your life when you need help, when you need encouragement, when you need lifting up, there is a Barnabas that God will give. Barnabas comes at just the right moment. God is faithful. When the time is right in his plan, God will send the help that you need. Now Saul wanted to connect with the head disciples, I think. But God knew he needed somebody else, and his name was Barnabas. My friends, think throughout the Bible how this occurs so many times in God's plan for God's people. God sent Moses and Aaron. God sent David a Jonathan. God sent Elijah and Elisha. And praise the Lord, God sent all of us Jesus. Jesus, a friend. A friend in a time of trouble. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Listen to what it says. Let your conversation be without covetousness. We try to teach that to our boys. Don't always covet what somebody else has. Oh, appreciate good craftsmanship. Appreciate things that are made well. Uh, appreciate the abilities that God has given other people. But you know, and, and by the way, we live in a great house in a great neighborhood. And I think about my mom and my dad, their upbringings and seeing uh, the house uh, that my mom first lived in, and knowing my father's, it's, I believe it's torn down now, but kind of the, the, the background that he came from, very rural Florida, 
And what we live in is just, I mean, I don't, of course, they didn't know everybody around them lived the same way. So it's not like my mom and dad knew this, how other people might look at that. But, but I look at our house and I think about how, how much in just one generation in this country. As a matter of fact, most people in this country, this is just a fact. Most people, now this doesn't include nutrition because there are a lot of kids that can't get food and it's not their fault. So I want to make this clear. There are children who are not being helped the way they need to be because of adults. But the fact of the matter is, in this country, poor is a relative term. Because if you just go back 100 years ago, what some of our grandparents lived in, man, wow, this is amazing. You got electricity, you got heat, you got air conditioning, you got, you, you know where the food next meal is going to come from. Man, if we've been blessed in this country, say amen. And God will judge us if we do not use it wisely. If we do not share it, if we do not give to others, the Word of God is clear that He will judge us for that, what we do. But here's, here's the reality. I think sometimes about the house that I live in and, and, and just how amazing it is in one generation from where my parents started as children to where we are today. But here's the thing. As nice as our house is and as much room as we have, we even got a playroom in our house. You know, the boys share a bedroom, and then there's another bedroom that, that, that nobody sleeps in. When the Welch students come, they'll sleep in it. But unless, there's, unless the Welch students are here on the weekend, Welch college students are here on the weekend at our house, or unless we have relatives in. You know, we got a room in our house that nobody ever sleeps in, except just, you know, I don't know, out of 365 days a year, maybe 30 days. we got a whole room that nobody ever sleeps in except maybe 30 days a year. You know, we got another room that's a playroom that our kids can just go and play in. And you know it's full of toys, all kinds of toys that they can just go and play in. Did you know that we have a dining room that we only use maybe 20 times a year? And we have another in our kitchen. We have a nice little, nice little table there. We, we have two tables in our house that you can eat at. You see, the fact of the matter is we have way more than we really need. And yet, my boys, when we drive down past Mark and Lauren's house. What's the name of the road they live on, Mark lives on? Whitson Chapel. When we drive down Whitson Chapel, oh, buddy, when you get past Mark and Lauren's house, there's some big old houses over there. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Big. And you know what happens when we drive by those houses? My boys look out that window, and they say, Dad, Dad, if we could only have a house like that. And you know what I say every time they say that? Boys, we don't need a house that big. We already have rooms in the house we've got that we don't even really use. It says in Hebrews, because God knows we need this, let your conversation be without covetousness. Don't covet other things. And be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. You know why the cooks don't need a bigger house? Because we've already got Jesus. Amen, church? But he does say this. He says, don't be covet. Don't, don't just covet. Don't do all that. But he does say this. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do to me. We serve a giving God who gives strength, who gives plan, who gives help, and fourthly, who gives us the victory.
Look at verse 31 and how this chapter of Saul's life ends. Verse 31, then, right, he has to leave Jerusalem because he starts having successful ministry and they try to kill him there as well. And so he has to leave and go to Tarsus. But what happens? What happens after he spreads the name of Jesus, gets them stirred up, they get him out of the city, but then the Lord gives the help they need. The church has been under intense persecution. Saul himself has been persecuted, and God allows this, but finally God does something else. Verse 31, Then, when they needed it, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and they were edified, and they walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and they were multiplied. Over and over again, the church and believers are attacked. And over and over again, the Lord provides the victory. And if you notice the pattern, God promises the victory. But then there are troubles and obstacles that seem to get in the way of the victory. But lo and behold, the Lord, at just the right time, gives just the right help within His plan. And the promise of victory, indeed, is fulfilled when it most looks like it might not. Church, today the message is simple. Hold on. Hold on. And today, claim the victory in Jesus. Remember what Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap and if we do not lose heart. Saul was all alone. But God sent one to help him and God gave the victory. Sinner, Jesus has been sent One has been sent to win your salvation, and his name is Jesus, and he will win the victory against sin in your life. Struggling Christian, do not give up. Help is on the way. Now listen. You might get help like my mama gave me the other day. It may be help that rubs you a little wrong at first. But God loves you so much. He really doesn't care if you get rubbed wrong or not. What he wants for you is his perfect plan in your life. Man, if that's just good news, to know that we have a plan for our life, say amen. Sinner, he sent one Jesus to save you. Christian, don't give up. For help is on the way. Mature Christian, maybe it is that God has called you today to be a Barnabas. And maybe there's one you're keeping at arm's length. But the fact of the matter is that God has called you to be the one that reaches out the hand of help to the struggling one to help them live in the plan of God for their life. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart he sent a plan he sent the strength he sent the help and he gives the victory now i know today is brother cecil comes as he comes i know today some of you are in some intense battles some of you are in spiritual dark places and you needed this message today Some of you, whether I named your particular sin or not, is irrelevant. But some of you today know that you are the one that over and over again, you keep saying to the Lord, well, that's just the way that I am. And the fact of the matter is, God wants to say to you today, yeah, but I've got something better for you. And you you know that you need to come and 
You need to confess what your struggle is. You just need to confess it. Lord, this is what it is. Lord, would you help me to be obedient and faithful? I know today that there are some people that I love very much, that God loves even more, that you've never confessed the name of Jesus, and today you need to be saved. And He has sent you help. He has sent you the Word of God and a preacher to proclaim it today, to tell you once again that salvation is of the Lord and you can be saved this morning. My friend, wherever you are on this spectrum, as God's Spirit convicts you, that says there they walked in the fear of the Lord. They were edified, but they walked in the fear of the Lord. The truth is, God loves you. And He wants to change you. And you know today what that change is, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. So don't waste this time. Use this time for the Lord today. And if you don't come, would you pray? Would you just pray right where you're at for the one that is struggling? And let's let this be a place full of the Spirit, unified, seeking the will of God. Let's stand together this morning. Father God, I ask today that you would just use this message. Lord, I've preached all there is to preach. Lord, it's done. Father God, would you use it? And Lord, the one here today that needs to respond, Lord, give them the courage to step out. Lord, help is on the way. Help from Jesus. Father God, we turn this over to you in his name. Amen. Brother Cecil, what number? 275. 275. You need to come. Listen, you come. Come on now. Don't wait.